Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Coors Light presents Heavy Montreal, July 28th and 29th, outdoors at Parc Jean Drapeau, featuring Avenged Sevenfold, Rob Zombie, and Marilyn Manson. A weekend of hard rock and metal with Gojira, Emperor, Under Oath, Hollywood Undead, and many more. Festival passes are on sale now. See the full lineup at heavymontreal.com. Produced by Avenco. Hi, I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. On this episode, we're going to talk some rock, some metal, and anything else we feel like. We're also going to jam some tunes, have a drink, and share some honest opinions. Thanks for listening to the Talking Metal Podcast. Let's get things started. Here's an old classic that sounds just as good today as it did when we were kids.
by Slayer. Hey guys, thanks so much for joining me here once again. This is a very cool episode. We are going to talk about the 30th anniversary of a very important heavy metal record, Digital Dictator by Vicious Rumors. If you don't know the record, that's okay. Stay tuned because you are going to hear all about it. And you're going to also hear some music off of it. In April, this past April, it celebrated its 30th anniversary and it's uh it's something worth remembering and talking about so we invited dave Starr, the bass player on that record to come speak with us about the anniversary of this record and he shares some great stories about it so stay tuned for that guys please support the podcast by using our Amazon links. You know where they are. They're on talkingrock.net. They're on talkingmetal.com. You go to those that site, either one of those addresses, and it'll take you uh, to the show notes of any certain episode, and you will find at the bottom of the show notes links to the USA Amazon link, the Canadian Amazon link, and the UK Amazon link. Depending on your country, obviously you use the the correct link. You link through to Amazon and go about your shopping as you normally would. There's no extra charge for this or anything like that. It's just a cool thing that Amazon does, and we get some money back for uh, for you simply using our links to take you over to Amazon. So please continue using those. And if you haven't used them before, do me a favor. Next time you have something to buy on Amazon, go to TalkingRock.net or TalkingMetal.com and use those links to carry you over to Amazon. All right, without further ado, let's get into some music off of Digital Dictator by Vicious Rumors. What we're going to hear is the title track, and then that will be followed by my interview with Dave Starr. Now, a couple things you should know. This interview is great 
heavy metal history. There are so many cool stories and names you're going to know. For example, Mike Varney. He is a, a big part of this, this story. If you don't know who Mike Varney is, he's the guy who discovered Engve, Vinnie Moore, Tony McAlpine, Paul Gilbert. I discovered Sean Baker through Mike Varney's column. And so many other guitar players. I mean, he Mike Varney's label was called Shrapnel, and it was a very, very important label back in the the early and mid and, well, throughout the entire decade of the 1980s. Mike Varney, if you don't know who he is, Google him. Big, big behind-the-scenes guy in, uh, in the music we love. You know, a big piece of that story. So... It's just a, a little backstory, yeah. And Shrapnel Records was his label, okay? He also wrote a, a column for Guitar Player Magazine, which spotlighted, uh, you know, it's called, I think it was called the Spotlight Column, and it had a lot of these uh, guitar players. This was the introduction we would get to these guys, like Engve and, and Vinnie Moore and stuff, was in Mike Varney's column in Guitar Player Magazine. And then, of course, he had the Shrapnel label record that he, label that he ran in addition to that. So just a little setup for the interview. And so, you know, in case you don't know who Mike Varney is, because we're going to be talking about Mike Varney and a lot of other people like Marty Friedman and all the members of, of Vicious Rumors and, you know, Dave Starr's firing from Vicious Rumors. I, I found that that story to be interesting and and still kind of unexplained, if you will. So let's let's get into this great story. Dave does a great job in telling the story of this record. Even if you don't know Vicious Rumors or the Digital Dictator record, just listen, just kick back and listen to the story of this record. And first, let's hear some music from Digital Dictator by Vicious Rumors. This is the title track, followed by my interview with Dave Starr.
Hey, it's Mark Striegel and calling in once again on the line, Dave Starr. For we know him from his work with Wild Star, of course, and Chastain, and also Vicious Rumors, which is what he's here to talk about today. Hey, Dave Starr, how are you? Hey, Mark. Good to talk to you again. Yeah, thanks for checking back in with us. You know, it's April 2018 which is kind of, uh, I guess I'd call it a big anniversary when it comes to your band Vicious Rumors that you were so heavily involved with back in the day because Mm -hmm. the digital uh, dictators, let me take that again, the digital dictators album was released this exact month way back in 1988 on Shrapnel Records, 30 years, right? 30 years, hard to believe. Wow. So I know you're kind of doing some celebration of this uh, anniversary on Facebook, and you're posting some cool old clips on YouTube, and I want to talk to you about that stuff. But let's let's mm-hmm. go back in time to when this was released, April of 1988. I, I would guess you probably recorded it, what, in late 87? Uh, as I recall, it was the summer of 87. We okay. recorded the album at uh, Prairie Sun Studios in Katahdi, California, which is where all of Mike Varney's shrapnel albums were produced and recorded. Right. So the the scene leading up to this was you guys had done in 1985 the Soldiers of the Night album, which had a different lineup than you ended up Within by the time you got to eighty seven, eighty eight, let's let's talk about let's start there. The Soldiers of the Night record, nineteen eighty five. Vinnie Moore, of course, was on that record, and you also had a different vocalist on that record, right? Yeah, we were um, we needed a second guitar player, and Mike Varney had been uh, getting correspondence. Him and Vinnie Moore had been corresponding back and forth, and. He put him in that Mike Varney spotlight column in Guitar Player magazine and hooked him up for, with some other things. And he just said, hey, you know, I got this hot guitar player looking to do a band. Were you guys already signed uh, with Shrapnel at that point? or um, We hadn't actually signed the deal. I think we had a tentative handshake deal. As soon as we got a, a Mike found us a second guitar player. And then once we got Vinny, um, I think we signed the contracts and... You know, that's a very good question. I honestly can't even, it's been so long that I can't even remember, it's 33 years ago, I can't even remember whether uh, we signed the contracts before Vinny came out here or not. Um, I think Vinny's on the contracts because when I get royalty checks, there's a, Vinny's name is listed there on the statement. So we must have seen, we must have gotten a contract signed with Vinny once, once Vinny came out here. And yeah, Gary St. Pierre was the, was the singer, but that lineup just didn't work out for Vinnie Moore just wasn't really into it when he was out here and he wanted to leave. He actually wanted to quit before the album was finished. And Mike Varney told him to stick it out and stay. So he stayed and we didn't know anything about this. You know, he was just complaining to Mike Varney behind her back. And, um, he, he said, uh, once we finished the album and did the photo session for the album, he got on a plane, said he was flying home and said he'd be back in two weeks and we never saw him again. <laughs> he couldn't wait to get the hell out of Dodge. <laughs> wow. Uh, we, so- we found, you know, it was okay. I mean, at the time, I think it was, 
I talk to Vinny all the time on Facebook now. You know, I've ran into the NAMM show a couple times since then. Uh, it's all okay now. I think there was some bad blood at the time, but uh, it's okay. So there's a, you know, it, 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 nowadays people put out records and they go four, five, six years between records and it's not a big deal. But back in those days, bands put out records like every, every year, every two years. So the three year yeah. gap between Soldiers of the Night and Digital Dictator, I mean, that at that time, and especially being you guys were young kids, I mean, that's a long stretch that's at that at that time in your life. What what went on during that time? Was the band still intact? Well, were you guys working on we getting had new members? A, um, we had a temporary guitar player named Terry Montana who replaced Vinny, and we played with him for about a year. And it just wasn't really working out. He didn't seem to be really that happy, and nobody seemed to be happy. And Gary... The singer had a bunch of issues um, that I can relate to. I've been clean and sober for almost 13 years now, and I think Gary was having some serious substance abuse issues. And it just it just got to the point where it, there was only three functional members in the band, and that was Jeff, Larry, and myself. And uh, I told Jeff, this leads into how we ended up getting Carl and Mark, and uh, I just told Jeff, I said, we got to do something here. This situation, we're just floundering around and we got to get a record going. We got to get, you know, people who are motivated to work with us. And uh, Jeff was initially really against the idea because he was afraid of losing, you know, Gary because he thought it'd be bad enough that we lose Vinny. Now, if we lose our singer going into our second album, it's going to be just make us look like a bunch of bozos. And I said, well, look, you know, we're already looking like a bunch of bozos. So we got to, <laughs> right. we got to fix this. And, um, I told him I had a line on a singer and a guitar player. And, uh, I just said, I, I just basically took by the, the bowl by the horns and dealt with it myself without any help from Jeff. Uh, Jeff went to, to Hawaii for vacation for a week with his girlfriend and Mark McGee, who I knew for probably around four or five years, he was a, a good guy and a good guitar player from my local, uh, we lived in the same town. I got together with him and I told him, I said, well, I, I want to write some music with you. And we ended up getting together and while Jeff was out of town, we ended up writing all the music for what would be the title track uh, for Digital Dictator. And I called Jeff in Hawaii and I said, man, I got this, I got Mark McGee down here at the studio. We just wrote this new song. I think this is going to be our guy. And uh, so we didn't even audition any other guitar players. Mark was just, just came in and just took the job and it was and away we go. Wow. Carl was a little was a little bit of a tougher nut to crack. Um, I didn't know Carl, and I got some people who had suggested him to me. And he was playing in a band called Villain at the time. And I found out they were playing a show in San Francisco. Went and go went and checked him out, and I was just floored by his ability and his stage presence. Villain was a good band, but they were being fronted by like the second coming of Ronnie James Dio. It was just amazing. And I took him aside after the show and introduced myself. And uh, I think he thought I was kind of a weirdo. He didn't really want to have anything to do with me. Right. And thought I was a stalker. And I said, look, you know, I, I, I play with Vicious Rumors. We're looking for a new singer. Here's my phone number. I just need to talk to you. And he was just brushing me off like, yeah, sure, whatever. I'll call you. Just get out of my face. You know, he didn't want to have anything to do with me. So I was kind of discouraged. And, uh, 
I figured I'm going to call. Uh, I think he did give me his phone number, so I called him about a week later and wanted to know um, if we could talk some more. And he was still a little bit cool to me. And I said, look, why don't you just give me your address? I'll mail you the Soldiers of the Night album and all of our press clippings from Europe. And I'll put together a promo package and you just, hey, if you like this stuff, fine. If you don't, throw it away and I'll never, I won't bug you anymore. Now, were you telling him, like, were you you like, hey, we were signed to Shrapnel? Were you still signed to Shrapnel at this point? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, We we were still signed to Shrapnel and we still owed Mike another album. And, but, uh, you know, Mike wasn't he he literally told the sore face he says look if 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 i don't like what i hear i'm not going to release another album from you guys and so the phone rings about a week later after i shipped off this promo package to carl he didn't live near me he was about 90 miles away so it wasn't a matter of me just driving over to his house he was a couple hours away easily so i ups the package to him and then he called the phone rings about a week later he goes hey dave this is carl and he goes I want to join. I said, you want to join? He goes, I don't even want to come down and audition. I want to join the band. I love this album. I love what you guys are doing. I'm going to quit villain. And I want to, I don't even want to audition. I just want, I want you guys to just accept me and I want to come down there and join the band. Right. (laughs) And that's how the whole thing happened. And then he came down, Mark had already been in the band for maybe a week or two. And then we, Carl came down and it was just, it was just magic. And that completed the puzzle right there. And then that lineup stayed together for one, two, three, four more albums. Right. Nice. Nice. And the, do you remember Mike Varney hearing the digital dictator record? Were you guys nervous? You know, I mean, you, you mentioned he was like, well, you know, I'm not going to release it if I don't like it. Do you, do you have memories of him hearing it for the first time going in and playing it for him, were you he guys was, nervous um, that he might not like it? I've known Mike for almost 40 years, and it's just really been tough to figure out exactly where his head is at. I could never get wrapped around what he thinks is, so a lot of the things that he thinks is, are great, I think are lame. Right. And right. The, the things that I think are great, he doesn't really have any interest in. And um, he... We we went into a small studio up there in Santa Rosa and did a three song demo for Mike. Uh, I think we did Digital Dictator, Lady Took a Chance, and Condemned. I think those were the three songs, and we then we gave that to Mike. And I remember going over with Jeff to Mike's house one night, so we listened to it in his living room, and he said, "Yeah, this sounds really really good." So uh, you know, Mike said, "Let's do it. Let's book the studio time, get all the material written, and get get your act together." and Boy, I tell you, back in those days, you had to have your act together because Mike was, Shotnell was on a strict 100-hour recording budget. You had to go in there and it was bam, bam, bam. No, 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 you could not waste any time at all. You had to be totally prepared. And uh, we went over slightly on both of those Shotnell albums. I think 108 albums on Soldier and 116 albums on Digital. But um, yeah, you had to... There was no uh, no screwing around when you were signed with Shrapnel. Just get in there and get it done nice. and get out. Yeah, a couple of things. Um, the the uh, just a little personal story. Somebody gave me Mike Varney's email. Like this had to be like six seven years ago, and I emailed him and I I said I would love to interview you on on Talking Metal. You know I played up, how, you know how how great Talking Metal is. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, then he. Uh, 
he re- responded and was like, yeah, that sounds great. When? And I was like, how about, you know, I gave him a date. No response. Then a week later, I was like, hey, just checking in on this. You still want to do it? No response. Then I tried a third time. I was like, Mike, can we still do an interview? No response. It was the weirdest thing. But because I got that initial response, you know, but I guess he got cold feet well, or something. I, I, yeah, I, he just, uh, I don't know what it is. You know, I, I've uh, found some guitar players that I thought he'd be interested in, and I'd forward stuff to him. No, no response. Uh, okay. Mike, I need to talk to you. Mike, I need to talk to you about this, that, business-wise. No response. And then on, I contacted him on Facebook. I wanted to get a quote for the 30th anniversary of Digital Dictator, and he responded right away. <laughs> and it was like it was like he typed it out in 30 seconds, and he emailed it to me. And it's up on the 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 Facebook page now that I have for for Digital Dictator. And he you know he took the time to do it. But yeah, it's like 10 times I'll ask him something, and I'll get a response one time. That just wow. seems to be the way it is. Okay, all right. Well, I guess it's it's not just me then. Yeah, don't take it personal. <laughs> yeah. It's um, just, so another question you, you you posted these these cool old videos from yeah. from that era and from the recording studio and and, and stuff and one uh, at the end of the towards maybe halfway towards the end of the video you guys are in front of a car and and Marty Friedman and yeah. Jason Becker come up which is really cool and it t- kind of ties into the whole shrapnel thing and also to what you were talking about with you know there was a strict amount of hours you guys had to do the studio uh do do uh work at the studio was this like outside the studio maybe those guys were also there working on their stuff or what's Um, the story behind that video that was in the we were filming we had a film crew from a local cable access channel it's just you know, things were back then, you know, you know, guys pulling in favors and stuff. And, and I said, Hey, I got this idea. Let's, let's, uh, let's do a documentary on the making of the digital dictator album. So I brought up, uh, I, I hired these, I don't even know if I hired them. They probably did it for free, but they brought up their video cameras and microphones and stuff. And, um, we're filming us making the record, doing interviews and things. And that was just a little kind of weird segment. Uh, in the parking lot of the recording studio, that's Jeff's uh, Corvette that we were leaning against. And uh, Stephen Fontana, the producer we were talking to, and then Cacophony was probably up there doing pre-production for their album. And that's when uh, Jeff flagged down uh, Marty Friedman and Jason Becker in the parking lot and said, hey, come on over here. I had honestly forgotten all about that. You know, just wow. video footage that I've been posting. A-, a lot of these things have been sitting in boxes for 30 years. And I, had not seen them since maybe 88, 89 or whenever, um, whenever was I filmed them and then maybe took them home and watched them and then put them in a box and nothing's ever been done with them. So yeah, uh, that shocked me because I would forgotten all about that, but I just have tons of this stuff, live videos. And that's, that was kind of my whole incentive for doing the, first of all, I thought 30th anniversary of this digital dictator album is a pretty, that's a pretty long, that's a pretty big number. 30 years. Um, and then I thought, you know, people have been asking me for years about all this video footage that I've been talking about and I've been blowing it off and putting it off and putting it off. I better get my act together here before this stuff just, you know, vaporizes out in the humidity out in the garage. It's been through 15 moves and God knows what kind of shape this stuff's going to be in. So I got it. My wife got me a duping deck from VHS to DVD. So I finally started doing this stuff a couple of months ago and in preparation for this 30th anniversary and the four first four clips are up there now on the, uh, 
on the Digital Dictator Facebook page. So it's I'm getting it gets a kick getting response from people that you know it's great because uh, Jeff's had all these kind of weird lineups going since the thing fell apart with the original lineup when I left and then Mark left and then Carl died and Jeff's had 500 people in and out of the band. And and when, and when did getting, you leave? Like 92 ish. It was after the, I, the welcome left, to the ball record, right? I left, uh, the last album I did was the live in Tokyo album, which came out in 92. And then we did a, uh, we were working on the word of mouth album and we did a last U S tour of the summer of 93. And then, uh, um, Jeff uh, fired me from the band on his birthday, um, November 11th, <laughs> 1993. Okay. And uh, that's how I ended up leaving the band. I have no idea why he fired me 25 years later. I still don't understand it, but, uh, you know, he made his uh, choice. He's got to live with it. So, so you, a lot did of, you play on the word of mouth record? Because you're not credited no, on that, are you? No. No, okay. I, I, I did all the pre-production on it. I, the songs were all written and everything was all done. And right before we were going in to record it, I don't know what the hell happened to Jeff. You know, he just, I don't know if he was bitter about getting dropped from Atlantic or just miserable. Didn't decide to take it out on me. I really don't know why. Um, Which is wild because you guys had known each other a long time. Oh yeah. We were best friends. I mean, he was the best friend, best man at my wedding. We were together for nine years uh, when he had carpal tunnel syndrome, I put together in 92, when he couldn't even play guitar, I put together benefits for the guy to raise money for his surgery because he didn't have any insurance. I mean, I love the guy like my brother and he just, you know, didn't, you know, I, I don't know. I just, he tells everybody I, I'd lost interest in the, you know, it's just when people have to justify their reasons for doing something that's really bad, they will say whatever they have to say to deflect criticism from themselves. So, um, it is what it is. Right, right. Now, talk a little bit about uh, Carl, Carl Albert, the the vocalist. He passed away in the mid-90s. Um, any, I know you, you in London, actually, you have a star, you have a song about him in, in your, your band, Wildstar. What, um, I know nothing about his death. I know that sometimes that's a private matter. Is there anything you could share about, about him or, or his passing? Well, his death was tragic enough, but it was worse for me because when when Jeff fired me from the band, Carl never spoke to me again, and it, that hurt me really deeply. And I get a call from Jeff, as a matter of fact, 18 months after he fired me from the band, he says, I got some bad news. Carl had a really bad car accident last night. He's in critical condition oh, in the hospital. And... I went to go see, you know, Carl and, and I was really, I was pissed off at everybody. I was angry. I was hurt. I did. I wasn't on speaking terms with anybody. Carl never even spoke to me again. He wasn't there when Jeff fired me. So I had no idea what his thoughts were. People kept telling me, he's just, he's just not deal. He's, he's embarrassed or whatever. And so, you know, weeks and weeks and months go by and I get this phone call from Jeff saying, you know, Carl's, you know, basically on his deathbed and come on, it's just, it's just really bad. I held tan and just said, look, you know, <laughs> I said, you can't leave me like this. This is just, I mean, I know it sounds funny, but I said, this is unacceptable. You know, we, we, we can't, our relationship can't end like this. And 
of course it did. He lingered for about a day or two and he was, he was brain dead. He was in a single car accident. They don't, don't really know what happened. They're thinking that something um, may have happened to the front end of his car and he lost control of his vehicle and he plowed into a telephone pole, uh, drove off the freeway. It's like nobody was there. Nobody else was in the car with him. He was on his yeah. way to, uh, I think to, to play at a club somewhere. And um, so that's really what happened. And uh, it was really surreal because when they pulled the plug, um, Mark and Jeff and I were there alone with Carl and Mark had just quit the band about three weeks, two or three weeks previous. Jeff and Mark weren't on speaking terms. I wasn't on speaking terms with either one of those guys. I hadn't speak, spoken to Carl in 18 months and the four of us are all alone in that room holding Carl's hands and saying goodbye to him. It was wow. just, it was crazy. You know, and it's really sad because he was such a talent, incredibly talented guy. And I think, you know, he was only 32 maybe when he died right. and just scratched the surface. I think of what he could be, you know, just like Phil Lynott passing away at such a ridiculously young age. He was only like 34, 35. And just think of how much more music he could have put out. I just think of how much more, you know, Carl could have put out. And, and the sad thing is that, you know, Carl died right before the internet really took off, which really kind of helped the internet kind of helped a lot of underground bands kind of become more, more visible. So there's a lot of people today, even though VR is, you know, somewhat known in the underground circles, there are still people who don't know who VR is and they don't know who Carl Albert is. And it's, you know, it's sad because he's, uh, he's one of the best vocalists out there. Right on, right on. And we heard earlier in the the podcast the title track, Digital Dictator, but uh, which, of course, fe features Carl on, on vocals. And we want to hear another track to take us out off of that classic record. But before we do that, any, uh, any updates on, on Wildstar, your, your band with uh, London? I know you guys put out just a, a great record, which is still really new, actually. What, like four or five months old, right? Beyond the Ring. Yeah, it just uh, came out December 8th. So it's, uh, what's that, four or five months? Yeah, um, brand been new. Out, right? yeah. yeah. But uh, we're, we're writing. I'm writing every night. And we're going to do either. We haven't figured out what we're going to do yet. We're either going to uh, put out a new Wildstar album or we're going to take a little detour and do. Uh, I came up with this idea about doing a uh, kind of like an all digital conglomerate. What's the word? Conglomerate. It's not conglomerate. Con uh, it's compilation? Well, not a compilation. It's like uh, we want to do something where we can get. I, I've got I've got some heavyweights I'm talking to. I've got a guy in oh, Japan okay. I'm interested. Uh, I've got a guy in a, a major guitar player here in the USA. I got some people in Europe. So okay. instead of doing another Wild Star album where I play all the guitars and bass, do the job of three guys in the in our on our records, I would play guitar in this side project. <laughs> And we'd get another bass player, another guitar player, another drummer in London singing. We're going to call it blankety blank blank. I don't want to give out okay. the names or any of the people who I'm talking to, but that's, cool. and we're just thinking about maybe releasing it as an internet single and testing the waters and see what kind of uh, uh, response we get. And, you know, whatever happens, happens. If it's one song, it's one song and that's, that's it. If, you know, we, 
do something else with that same lineup, uh, you know, we can do that as, as well as doing Wildstar. So uh, something's going to happen here, uh, you know, this year. I, my guess is we're leaning towards releasing this uh, kind of this int- collaboration. That was the word I was trying to think of. Okay, but I couldn't think of the couldn't think of the world. Con- I was going conglomerate. No, that's not it. Right. <laughs> Compilation. No, that's not it. Collaboration. That's it. Got yeah. It. So uh, that's what I'm kind of leaning towards right now. And I'm writing just writing a ton of material every night, like I always am. Cool. Cool. Well, I, you know, I love hearing the old stories about bands like Vicious Rumors because, you know, we hear the Ozzy's history and Metallica's history get, just get told over and over again. But it, yeah. so many of these bands that, you know, I mean, you guys were an, more of an underground band. You weren't really mainstream by any stretch of the imagination. And it's 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 fun to hear these stories. Especially well, we were mainstream. We weren't mainstream, but at least we got. We went from you know the independent label Shrapnel to getting to, signed to Atlantic right, and touring yeah. the world. So at least we got a couple of runs up the ladder before it all disintegrated. But you know the band still uh, has fans that you know love those old. Uh, you know we still have fans who love those old songs and all those old albums, and I, I hear from them all the time. You know on Facebook, uh, and thirty years for Digital Dictator is a big deal. You know, oh, yeah, it's absolutely. hard to believe. It's hard to believe it's that long, but geez. Where's all the time gone? Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> goes by. F- the, the older you get, the faster it goes by is what I've started to realize. That's is, what they keep saying. I just yeah. turned 57. So I was, I guess, tw- I think I was 26 when I recorded that album. And I was the oldest guy in the band. I think I was the oldest. So, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Well, great stories. And thank you for sharing them here on Talking Metal. Guys, Digital Dictator by Vicious Rumors is 30 years old. And we have been talking with the guy who played bass on that record, Dave Starr. He also has his band with London Wild, which is currently active, Wild Star, and they put out a great release last year, which we will uh, we'll play a song from uh, Wild Star later in the episode. But to take us out of the uh, the interview right here, Dave, what other track can we hit off of the the classic thirty year old digital dictator? Record oh boy. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on. I appreciate oh, yeah. talking with you again and all the support. Um, another show, so you already said you already did Digital Dictator. Yeah, we played that coming into um, the interview. I think probably uh, Condemned is a great, uh, kind of like a mid-tempo steamroll. I love that song. It's got a real groove cool. to it. Nice. Yeah, we'll check it out right now. Condemned, uh, buried deep in the record on side two of the, the original record. Condemned by Vicious Rumors off the... Digital Dictator record, which is celebrating its uh, its 30 year anniversary, it came out back yep. in '88. So crazy, Dave. Thank you so much, and keep us posted on everything you're up to. Thank you very much, Mark. I appreciate it.
classic vicious rumors here on Talking Metal. Thanks to Dave Starr for joining us. I apologize to Dave that it took me so long to post that interview. We recorded it back in April. So uh, sorry about that, Dave. It's been I, I recorded way too many interviews at once and just got really backed up. And then I had the M3 Festival. It gave me like, you know, 10 interviews. And it's just been a little bit crazy. And this isn't even a job I make any money at. So <laughs> I have to work real, real gigs when I get them too. So this is more of a hobby. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that. And I guess that's okay. That's okay. But it is a hobby. And it's a hobby that I'm always trying to, to uh, pull a profit on, but it's very difficult. But using those Amazon links, the PayPal donations and the Patreon supporters, you guys are all helping me out. So thank you for that, guys. And without further ado, we're going to wrap this episode up with a little wild star. This is Beyond the Rain, again, by Wild Star, featuring Dave Star, who has been our guest on today's episode. Thank you, Dave. This is a still rather new record. If you haven't checked it out, definitely go check out the, the album by Wildstar. This, of course, again, the title track off that record, Beyond the Rain. Talk to you next time, guys. I got a little piece of love. So strike.